Hello, everybody. My name's Micah McCaw, and I love movies. Hello, everybody. My name's Jordan McCaw, and I love movies. And we made up a podcast about it. It's called the McCaw Podcast Universe, and you're listening to it right now. And what that podcast is, is we analyze movie franchises. We watch each movie in the franchise and analyze if they're good, bad, do they belong, do they not belong, and and why. And so what's more fun than watching a movie for enjoyment, sitting there and dissecting every possible thing you possibly can? Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Yeah, so we're in the middle of phase two, and we're talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So this is the second Captain America movie. This is the ninth uh, Marvel movie. And I would like to start off with a question. Mm-hmm. When did you see this movie? I saw this movie in 2016. Oh, you didn't see it when it came out? No, I I bailed on Marvel after Iron Man 3. Not because of Iron Man 3. I was just like, oh, brother, poo-poo on all this stuff. Just so much content. And then Civil War, the trailers came out, and I hadn't seen any of the movies in between. Right. And I was... I thought the trailer was really good so i rushed and watched all the movies and then i didn't go see it in theaters i just kind of didn't feel like going once it came out and then i got back <laughs> on the train yep. of marvel and uh, what did you think when you watched it of first winter time. soldier i i wasn't expecting much and i was uh, pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. and i was kind of like dang that's a cool one that's a standout i like that movie that originally is what i thought too mm-hmm. originally mm-hmm uh, I saw it in theaters. Oh, um, you did? I, yeah, I saw it with friends in college. Um, okay. Shout out to Hannah Hooks. Is she listen? I hope so. She better. Um, And so I remember just thinking, I, I enjoyed it, but I remember thinking how violent the movie was. Yeah. That, that was my biggest takeaway. I, after enjoying it, it's like, man, there were like a lot of kids who saw this movie and they're... It's just very violent. Yeah, it it is. I mean, it seems kind of, I don't know. It seems like the standard PG-13 violent movie to me. Yeah, I think, it, I think so. I think that it was just a little bit more, for some reason, I don't know if it's the lighting, if it's the actual action or something, but it's a little bit more like gritty in that mm-hmm. way yeah. to me. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Um, so let me dive in. Yeah. You're going to have more to say than me. Yeah. So this one is the beginning of Anthony and Joe Russo. This is their first movie. And of course we know that these are guys that are involved in directing episodes of community, uh, rest of development. They, I think they've done one movie before this, um, maybe two. Do you I, know what it is? No, I don't I'm going to look it up as you're talking. Um, but uh, so this is like the beginning. It, it's kind of fun to watch now in knowing that it's because I'm sure when they joined, we didn't know that they'd kind of become like Marvel's directors because then they go and make Civil War, which is a big hit. And then they make the last two Avengers movies that we've all seen by now and love. Um, so it's pretty interesting in that regard. Um we also have Kevin Feige produced, of course. That's the usual. We got the screenplay by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Did you do any research on those guys? Is that the, that the same writer from uh, the movie uh, on Thor? Uh, yes, they did. Uh, I th- well, I know that those two guys not did. Not Thor, not Thor. They did uh, the first Avenger. 
Captain America. Oh, I thought he also did Captain America. Oh, I thought you meant like Avengers. Yeah, no, I need okay. to start saying Captain America. Captain, the first. Th- yeah, Avenger. okay, that's what I meant, not Thor. That's yeah, so they've done all three Captain movies, yeah. and then they they did uh, Infinity War and Endgame. These writers. So this this crew of Anthony and Joe Rousseau and Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely will go on to make some of the biggest movies. Well, and like arguably the biggest movie ever made, um, Endgame. If hopefully by now it help, will have taken the are you really the best movie ever made biggest movie biggest ever made. movie uh, I just discovered something quite interesting okay jump in. so the first movie that they directed called Welcome to Collinwood mm-hmm. first movie check out this cast George Clooney okay. Sam Rockwell William H Macy Isaiah Washington Louise Guzman Patricia Clarkson they got the Guzman uh, that was a crazy cast yeah that is a crazy cast. I've never heard of this movie before. I haven't either. Anyway, um, okay, continue. Uh, yeah, so this is just the beginning of those four guys. Um, music is by Henry Jackman, who also does uh, Detective Pikachu, which came out this year. The Predator, which came out last year. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jum- Jungle. Captain Phillips. Uh, we got Cinematography by Trent Opalock, who did District 9, Chappie, Civil War. Okay. Um, and then this movie was nominated for an Oscar. For what? Can you guess? No. Visual effects. Okay. Do you know what beat it? Two thousand fourteen. Dark Knight Rises. No, There's... no. But you're on the right path. You're in the wrong year, though. The Dark Knight. No. No. What do you mean the right path? Well, I mean you got one ingredient of of it right. Okay, what? 2014, the year that the greatest movie ever made. Interstellar? Interstellar oh, okay. comes out. Okay. Um, yeah. A, a movie we'll never talk about. This movie never was nominated be. for Best Visual Effects. I know. We'll have to dig Yikes. into that. Um, so domestically, box office, it got... Um, oh, crap. I didn't figure out what the budget of this movie was. I, I got to do right that. Now. Oh, you do? Okay. I'll, I'll do this while you look that up. Um, domestically, this movie made $259,766,572. million. $170 million. On a $170 million budget. Okay. And then worldwide, it made $714,264,267. million. It's a lot so of So once dough. again, it's a knockout. Um, so... This is this is very cool as we're very big um, community fans. Yeah, uh, Feige wanted to hire J- Joe Rousseau after seeing uh, his John John Reparating season two finale of Community, which would be the Fistful of Paintballs. Okay, cool. Um, I, well, I don't know which one he directed that one because that's a two part episode. Yeah, right. It started. As a Sol- Star Wars one? No, it ends as a Star Wars episode. Yes, yeah, because Abed becomes Han Solo. Yeah, so I think yeah. Joe Russo directed the um, the fi- the Fistful of Paintballs episode, but cool. I'm gonna double check that Fistful of Paintballs, which if you haven't seen that, uh, it's one of, it's one of my favorite episodes of TV. It's so funny. Also, just one of the best shows. Yeah. It really is. It does have some downs, but it's got a lot of ups, and the ups far outweigh the downs. It's just a. It's a show that had to, that was continuously being. Um, oh, he directed canceled. both episodes. 
Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That, may, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But if you a show that continually had to fight to be on the air. Oh, yeah. It's always, you know, when you're limited, sometimes it's when you do your best work. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Great. But we're not talking about that show. We are not. Um, so then I'll, I'll get into this. I think this sets the tone of the movie very well. Um, this is a quote from Kevin Feige. We hired our directors on cap because they loved our explanation that we really wanted to make a 70s political thriller masquerading as a big superhero movie. Just like the first film, we got Joe Johnston because we said, we want to do a 40s World War II movie masquerading as a big superhero movie. I love that we're doing a sequel to a film that's a completely different genre than the first film. I think that's fun, and the comics do it all the time. So so that's interesting. Are you? Can I segue into something? Yeah, yeah, go So go that to makes it. Robert Redford a more interesting casting choice than I would have originally thought. Yeah. Because he's in... A movie called All the President's Men, which is about as politically thrilling as you can get. Okay. And I movie. still have yet to see that. It's it I feel like everyone should see it. It's about um two um two reporters I think Washington Post reporters and it stars Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman and they're investigating the Watergate scandal and they kinda like uncover it. Oh, as, man. So it it's like a So it's a sequel to Steven Spielberg's The Post. No. But they're they're journalists. So it's it's really f- interesting investigative journalism work that that really create it's I mean it's similar to Spotlight mm-hmm. in that way. Oh, yeah. I guess I haven't seen the post. So, but that's also political or well, that's also that journalistic. A, I just said that because it's about the Washington Post and oh. the movie ends with the Watergate scandal beginning. Oh, so it I actually know that. you okay. probably could double feature them probably and yeah. So it that that's a more interesting casting choice now. Yeah. With that, so I wonder if they had him in mind. I bet they did. It yeah. seems like a. It seems like they did. And let's it. just say this right now, since uh, Robert Redford's name has been brought up, one of the best heads of hair in Hollywood. Best heads of hair in Hollywood. Yeah. Not anymore though. He's retired. True. Although yeah. didn't he direct something like not that long ago? Well, his last movie came out last year. Yeah, but he's still like involved in film. Oh, is he? I thought he directed something. Oh, I don't know. Um. I'm not going to look it up. That's okay. <laughs> okay. We got to we got to stay a little bit on task. Yeah. Um Yeah, that that does make that choice of him That's cool. much more interesting. Yeah. Um so the stunt work in the movie was aimed for realism and practical is is okay. what they'd say. Um they cited the bank robbing scene in Heat and Mission Impossible Vault Heist as influences on the movie. Um Joss Whedon directed the mid-credit scene, which in my opinion was horrible um, it was so long it was so long and well we'll get into it because i i actually have some issues with what it does story narrative yeah wise. okay um according to the hollywood reporter in 17 days they had to make 350 versions of the movie with different sound and formats so why i jumped into that a little bit because i was like what in the world does that mean so um and make sure you hold that tight because I heard the I heard the wind on the mic as you moved it. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. We still haven't upgraded to headphones, which is why we need money for this podcast so that we can get two headphones. Um, uh, perfect segue into begging for money. No, please continue with this other thing. <laughs> um, so uh, when I read that sentence about 350 different versions of the movie, I'm like, what does that mean? So then I go down a bit of a rabbit trail and... When a movie comes out in theaters, they 
come out like every movie will come out with a bunch of different formats that um, compensate for different types of sound depending on the theater. Okay. And then you have to include um, like subtitles if it's going to foreign countries and stuff like that. Yeah. So you mix all of that together and you already have a ton of different versions of the movie. But they did this other thing in the movie. Now this is going to take me a while to get through this. So I hope you can buckle up. Is it interesting? I think it's very interesting. Okay. But uh, they did this other thing that's a visual thing in the movie. So it was different in different parts of the world. So if you remember in this movie, when the movie starts, Captain America meets Sam uh, Wilson. Yeah. Who later becomes Falcon. Yeah. And Sam Wilson gives him a recommendation to listen to a Marvin Gaye record. And he pulls out a notebook, and the notebook has lists of things that he wants to, he needs to check out. So, um, uh, in each area of the world, they put different things on his notebook. Why? Oh, to make it relevant for their culture? Just for fun. Okay. So, I'm going to hit you with those. Okay. In, in Korea, we have listed on there, Dance Dance Revolution, G Sung Park, Old Boy, 2002 World Cup. Yeah, culturally. Disco. Old Boy's on there? Yeah. Cool. Russia, Yura Gagarin, Vladimir Vysotsky, Soviet Union Dissolution, 1991, Moscow Doesn't Believe in Tears, and Disco. Latin America, Chilean Miners Rescues, (laughs) Maradona's Hand of God, Shakira, (laughs) Niravella, parentheses, first Mexican astronaut, Octavia Paz, uh, parentheses, noble winner. Brazil, uh, Arton. Wait, how, are you going to go through 350? No, no, no. There's not 350. There's a lot, though. I think it's interesting. Okay. I think it's interesting. Maybe someone else will. Uh, uh, I was just going to stop you if you were going to go to like 20 or 10. Are there 10? Maybe. Okay. Just keep okay, going. I'll skip Brazil because I don't know any of them. Uh, okay, I'll skip. I'll skip Italy too. But you don't. You don't have to. I'm just <laughs> now. This is becoming a thing. Well, you're bringing up a good point. And okay, Germany. Uh, he's got Currywurst, Moon Landing, Berlin Wall up and down, Oktoberfest, and Disco again. Australia, ACDC, Space Travel, Steve Irwin, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, Tim Tams. France. This one's got one of my favorites. It's got France 98, Louis de Funes, Caluche, The Fifth Element, and Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. Do you have Americas? I do. I okay, do. what does it say? We're getting there. We are getting there. Uh, okay, we're going to skip Spain. United Kingdom, it says TV show Sherlock, Moon Landing, The Beatles, World Cup Final 1966, and Sean Connery. And then United States, it's got I Love Lucy, TV show, Moon Landing, Berlin Wall, Up and Down, Steve Jobs, Apple, Disco, Thai food, Star Wars slash Trek, Nirvana band. Slash Trek. Um, and then Rocky, parentheses, Rocky 2, question mark. And then Trouble Man soundtrack. And so I think I believe the bottom, so from Thai food, the Thai food, Star Wars, Nirvana, Rocky, and Trouble Man, those were in all of the countries. Okay. But the top five were different depending oh, on the location. That's interesting. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, apparently my wife hated it. No, it's not. I don't. It's not that. (laughs) I know. No, no. This is the beauty of marriage. Sometimes one has to better the other because the other one is trying to fulfill a crazy obsession. Uh, hello? Yeah. (laughs) 
So anyway, that's that's what I got. Um, what let's turn the mic over to you. Okay, I don't have much because we went through pretty much everyone in the last movie and also a lot of the same cast in that way. Mm-hmm. But you have Robert Redford, who is the film's antagonist. Uh, he's been acting since 1960. Or he's been around since 1960. Um, he's in a lot of westerns. A lot. Uh, he's also in early on in his career in an episode of Twilight Zone and an episode of Hitchcock what? Presents. Whoa. Um, Can't wait to get to that one. 1969 is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. 1974, Great Gatsby. Um, then All the President's Men, and then the movie he does before this one is All is Lost. And of course, I skipped over so much. Yeah, I mean, um, he's a I'm very just, storied actor. Yeah. Um, and then you have um, Kobe Smulders, who in the movie, she's like the the faithful one to Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she pops up throughout Marvel. Yeah. A little bit forgettable because they don't really give her much to do. Um, but she's Robin and How I Met Your Mother. I know. She she falls into that category. Uh, it, it works okay in this movie because it's a little bit less about superheroes. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, when they make these side characters, you're just kind of like, oh, they don't have any powers. Who cares? Well, it's like, yeah. If, if Let's say, like, they're writing just stuff like the whole thing and it's like okay now we need to start trimming things down she's got to be one of the first characters to go yeah i'm sure because i can't even tell you what she does yeah she rather just, th- other than work for shield she's good at her job apparently because she keeps popping up <laughs> and then you have anthony mackie who plays um falcon his one of his first acting credits he's an eight mile in 2002 Oh, okay. Uh, and then he's in it's the Man- Eminem movie. Yeah, he's in the Manchurian Candidate and Million Dollar Baby in two thousand four. Wow. Half Nelson and We Are Marshall. I wrote We Are Nelson. <laughs> so he's in Half Nelson and We Are Marshall in two thousand six. The Hurt Locker and Eagle Eye two thousand eight. The Adjustment Bureau in two thousand eleven. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer two thousand twelve. And then Gangster Squad two thousand thirteen. And then Captain America. Wow. I also had to skip over things. He has had quite the extensive career. Has he really? He seems so young to me. Yeah, I didn't know he'd been but, around that long. Yeah, he. I had. I like didn't even include everything that he's been in. Wow. Um, but that's really all I have for, for people of note for me. Okay. Well, then let's jump right into the movie. Okay. So the movie opens, and we got this man we've never seen who's Anthony Mackie. Sam Wilson and Captain America keeps jogging by him in the morning and they're in uh, they're at the Washington Mall mm-hmm. and he keeps going on your left passing him on your left passes him again so he's going much faster than him it's a classic meet cute situation it kind of is and then and then afterward he realizes it's cap and they talk and that's when he gives him the Marvin Gaye um uh recommendation recommendation but what's kind of cool and it happens at the end of the movie too that I didn't realize until rewatching this movie, but Captain America keeps saying on your left, on your left, on your left, because mm-hmm. he's passing him as he's jogging by him. And then at the end of the movie, when Cap is in the hospital, he's like on your left, like I'm there for you, buddy. And then when we saw Endgame, when they come back, because mm-hmm. Falcon had disappeared, he goes on your left to Captain before, before you even see anyone come out of the portals. You just hear that in his earpiece. 
And it's like, that's such a cool, cool. like, tying the bow on the series. And, and I should say, and I think Micah felt the same way, this character seemed so dumb to me the whole time. Mm-hmm. The, the whole Marvel Universe, this Falcon character. Yeah. Because it seemed like uh, they were just like, hey, you want to be a part of this team? We got some wings that would probably fit your wingspan. <laughs> yeah. And so then he just becomes Falcon. We realize in this movie, when he's basically giving Matt Cap his resume because he wants to help yeah. them, it's like, and he's like, I thought you were a pilot. And he said, I never said pilot. And you're like, oh, he's always been the Falcon. Yeah. So, so it's like, cool. That's it was it's explained. Like, I didn't like the character because of my own misunderstanding of <laughs> something too. that's public, like pretty knowledge like everybody knows yeah. about it yeah so um, and i thought he was really good in this movie. oh yeah he was great when i was it, watching this movie it affirmed to me that they made the right choice giving that cap gave him yes the shield at the end of endgame when, instead of giving it to bucky because yeah, it doesn't when, make any sense when to at the end of bucky. endgame when he gave it to him like i thought that was cool but now it's so much cooler to me yeah it totally it's like is. this guy does deserve it yeah he's like it, an yeah. upstanding he is like captain america where it's like he's sort of blameless i'm sure you know he makes mistakes but he's like he's, he's fighting character. for the good of everyone you know yeah. um yeah so we don't find that out until later obviously but um mm-hmm. so you you define out early on so like okay this has been sets avengers this has been since captain america mm-hmm. but like since avengers we now you know it's a little bit chaotic now because of avengers like how they touched on in iron man 3 it's like aliens exist now who do we who can we trust yeah basically so the shield slash the government has created uh a plan to basic to like monitor every person yeah and captain america is like no he's against that yeah that's Um, pretty that's that's a little bit later because we haven't touched on the the pirate boat scene yet oh yeah because i think that's what i want to talk about that scene okay because I know, I know. I'm jumping back, but I I took notes on the the plot so that just, we wouldn't lose anything. That's boring. No, but no. Here's the thing. I disagree. The the pirate scene. So Cap is ordered to go to this ship where they have all these shield agents um, at gunpoint. Uh, these pirates who took over the ship, yeah. and so they go and they he break. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Um he breaks into the boat with with other shield agents and black widow black widow yeah and they're fighting and what this establishes for the movie is it kind of is i think the filmmaker's way of being like this is the movie that you're going to see this is an action like we're going to show you new action you haven't seen in this series before it's a lot more physical like hand to hand and violent um i guess that's might be why it feels violent yeah, it, it's, it is, like you said earlier, it's like grittier action. You're not going to... Yeah. I mean, yes, he's like kicking people and they're flying really far, but it's not like um, it's not like the previous movie's action where it's like... I, I don't know. It's it's so, a little lackluster. So I have, I have like an opinion about the action. Okay. So if you're going to try to... If your, your goal is to achieve action like that, you mm-hmm. need to not have such tight shots because the whole movie, just so much of the action was so tight that it didn't yeah. really it was like oh, okay so that's not chris evans doing it that's what it tells me yeah and then like what his fight with bucky later on 
I know mm-hmm. I'm jumping for it, but that that scene when they're under in the underpass fighting Bucky, and it was an interesting whole sequence, like it's a great a, sequence. exciting scene. But the shots are so close to them, like I want to see as if I'm a bystander standing, you know, yards like a couple yards away. And I want it to be a long. I want it to be longer. I want it to be not so yeah. quick. That's an opinion. Yeah, of course. That's not it, not to say that anything they did was like bad. No, That's I I definitely thing. prefer that. But I I think for this movie, especially when you're dealing with these themes of like you can't trust people, conspiracy, seventies thriller, um, and it's already based on like we're used to a certain style of action. To change it even as little as they do to just make it a little bit more intense and mm-hmm. even tighter, I think it was the right call, and okay. I like it. Um, I mean, it would always, it would definitely be nice if action movies did pull out their shots a little bit more and stuff, but, I mean, there's some great action yeah. sequences and in I this movie. and I do appreciate that they do, do try to make it more real, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, to the element that they should. They're not worried yeah. about, like making it real but no but no grounding it realistic a little bit. Yeah. looking and stuff um but yeah so they they fight on this boat and that kind of like sets the tone of the movie to me okay and right away you see um black widow um she's getting this flash drive for some reason and cap's like what are you doing and she's re- he's realizing that she was here to get like secrets about shield not to help these hostages and so, again, right away, they're kind of setting up, like, this movie is about mistrust. It's about conspiracy, too. And and you're just, you're not going to know who's who or what's yeah. what and yeah. what, what's really going on. Um, and uh, we got that, yeah. So then, jump forward. <laughs> yeah, jump forward to, to Captain America learning about the government planning on monitoring people with these giant planes that will, like, constantly be in the air. Yes. And, and, he, and he's against it. Because it, it's like yeah. taking away people's right, right to privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, in a way that kind of like introduces Robert Redford, seeing that he's pretty much the person in charge of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then isn't there a scene with Captain America arguing with Nick Fury about this? Yeah. And he says this great quote where he says, this isn't freedom, it's fear. Yes. And that, so remember uh, on our uh first captain america movie i was talking about how that movie like represents the ideal american in the 1940s Mm -hmm. like doing your duty loving your country and going and fighting evil Mm -hmm. and why i think the captain america character in the series is so strong is because they do like they do in in the comic books where they take captain america and he's always sort of the ideal what an American should be. So right now, when you put him in our modern times, this old man in our modern times, and he has to deal with things like uh, the Patriot Act mm-hmm. after 9-11, where now everyone, including this podcast, might be monitored by... Um, the government. The, the, the government. Well, of course, I mean, it'd be great if, the, if people were... If we had more listeners. We always want more listeners. But... Yeah. You know, phone conversations, text messages, all this stuff. And so to take Captain America, who, you know, someone someone you might have a conversation with them and they're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm fine with all this stuff because that's what America is. But Captain America <laughs> isn't that. He questions 
what America should be. Yes. And he is challenging it because he's seeing that it's wrong and it's taking away like the true American. So his patriotism is actually, it's not a blind patriotism. Yes. And this is what this movie touches on. And that's why I like this movie. Yes. That's like one of the main reasons why I like this movie because it really digs into that. Yeah, I, I I think it's such a cool concept to explore, especially as very topical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. Um. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we also got to show that in that same scene, Nick Fury says, "The last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye," and so we find out in Captain Marvel he lost an eye from the cat monster scratching it out. So when you look at it that way, that's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, I, I really like Captain Marvel, but I remember I was kind of like, that's how he lost his eye. Like that kind of sucks a little bit. Oh, I kind of liked it. Like it's it's funny, but it's kind of like they turned something that could have maybe been a really defining moment yeah. for him into a joke you know yeah i guess that's and true. so it's like kind of like a growing like, moment it's probably the the catalyst of his life or something yeah you could have had some character in there that he did trust and they like cut, like Thor, cut out his eye or like something for losing like his eye yeah who, how did he lose it Kate again? blanchett takes out his eye oh dang and that that means like that's meaningful yeah um yeah this is just like throwing it away for a dumb joke yeah so is it after soon after the scene when nick fury is driving his car uh yeah oh well first before that we have the peggy um scene where she has alzheimer's and she's an old woman peggy carter oh gosh and i want you to jump in this because you have some flame and well, hot opinions it's obviously on this. the Haley. Har- what's her name i don't know i it's, don't know it's the actress it's peggy it's the actress that plays peggy and Kosh and look, dressed up as an old woman, wrinkles on her face, all of that. First of all, I it always bothers me when it's a severely elderly person and her hair is beautiful. No, just no. <laughs> She's on her deathbed. Like I don't, I don't know. It's just like if if anything to me, it's like oh, so is she vain? Like if <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah. And then also something was wrong with her mouth. Yeah, there were a few shots where the mouth was CG. I think yeah. you were correct. And on that. I don't understand why. And I also think another reason why it looked off is because she's this old woman. Everything looks old about her, but her teeth are immaculate. Uh-huh. And I just, I've never seen an old person with teeth that good. Yeah. And I think we, and we touched on this, I think that it wasn't something. It wasn't something like, like, so at the end of Endgame, I keep on talking about Endgame, but at the end of Endgame, um, we have Chris Evans return as an old Captain America. Mm. It's pretty essential that it's the same actor and that you age him up. Yeah. You just have to. Peggy, you don't have to do it. You could just cast an old lady who's a mm-hmm. good actress to be it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would actually be a little more impactful. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you just have to show a picture by the bedside because no one looks the way they looked when they were twenty. And to be just honest, I have no idea what they talked about because I was so distracted. Yeah. Do you know what they talked about? Well, they, they, he was. Uh, was it no, just like? I, don't I mean, was it just like this stuff's going on and I don't know what's going and like it's making me really nervous and he's just talking to her about it? Well, I think it was more like it's good to see you. What's it going on? Have you heard the new Marvin Gaye album? I just listened to it. Sam Wilson told me to listen to no, it. No, that's not their conversation. No, no, it wasn't. 
anyway. But, but they did establish that she has Alzheimer's. Yeah. Because halfway through the conversation, she goes, Steve, how are you here? Yeah. Um, You know, which is just kind of whatever to me. Yeah. Um, I know that in Civil War, they're at her funeral. Um, Oh, really? So I thought that was in this movie, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway. Um. Yeah, so then, then the next scene is. Nick Fury in yeah, his car. Yeah, and this cool scene. scene is cool. Yeah. Because this is, this is the scene where Nick Fury pulls up. Sam Jackson, at this time, what, he's got to be 65 in real life? At least. Which is just crazy. Because yeah. listener, it, it, this podcast is coming out this year, so even though we're ahead of the game here, believe us or don't believe us, but look it up. Sam Jackson is 70 years old this year. In 2019, Sam Jackson is 70. I don't know when his birthday is, so maybe he's 71 by the time this came, comes out. And I just can't believe it. He's got to be the best-looking 70-year-old that ever walked on this darn earth. I Yeah, no no question about it. Yeah, he he is like... It's it's actually unbelievable. If I think about it too much, it, it just kind of makes me smile because I can't crack it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's like he is a good movie. Yeah. It's just a little bit of a mystery, and you just love it and want yeah. to know more. So, so yeah, so he has to get to jump back into the movie. <laughs> so he, he is, he's pulled up at the stoplight. Pol- there's a police officer staring him down, mm-hmm. and he makes some comment to him, and he starts driving again, and then immediately he's boxed in by, like, three police cars. And they just pull out these huge, like, M16s and just start ripping his car apart. But he has a shield car, which I also think is so cool, and it has all these different abilities. So this is what I think. Remember, he, he injected himself with something. Yeah, it was like a... Was it the thing that slowed down his heart rate? Or was I think it, it was an anesthetic or something. Because his, his his arm broke. Oh, it probably was just crash. like a pain reliever. Yeah, yeah, I think... Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Because he broke his arm because of the... Yeah, and the car's like, car. we detect you have broken your arm. Yeah. D- do you want anesthetic? And he's like, yeah, give me the anesthetic. Like, pulls it out. Yeah. Does it, and the car's taking all these bullets. And then it's like, power low. And he's like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And then he switches seats, and this gun comes out yeah. of the middle console. He points it at the driver's side. He goes, roll down the window, and he starts unloading and just kills all these guys. Yeah. And then... It's, uh, and then the yeah. car's like powering on and then he takes off and it's another great chase. And this again, action sequence wise, really good directing. Mm-hmm. I think this is like, well, this scene and the scene with Captain, uh, with uh, Winter Soldier on the overpass are like worth the price of admission alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's going and then Winter Soldier, which is so cool. This character we don't know about and I... You know, as a viewer, I'm going. There's no way he's related in it, to any Does other he show characters. Up in this scene? Um, yeah, he shows up. He shoots a bomb at the oh duh at the, yeah. at Sam's car, and it goes flying in the air. And he just takes one step to the side as the car flies mm-hmm. by him, and then he runs over to the car, rips it open with his cool metal arm, and then uh, the there's been like a laser in the concrete, and Sam Jackson escaped to the tunnels. Yes. To the sewers. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I'm trying to remember. So, so then, so then you're, you, you discover, I mean, is there anything that happens specifically in between? Because I know that, um, he goes to, um, Steve Rogers apartment. That's the next scene. That's the next scene. So yeah. So like this girl next door is like, oh, you left your stereo on. And now, so he goes in through the window. Which, very 70s thriller. Yeah, really like, cool. Like him to be like, I would never leave my radio on. Right. So so he goes in there, It's and it's Nick Fury. 
and Nick Fury's talking, but he's not saying anything because he because he shows him with on his phone. Yeah, we're, they're having a dummy conversation. Yeah, so it's like there are ears everywhere. Everyone's listening to us. Mm-hmm. Trust no one. And then before he can do anything else, um, someone shoots him. Like a sniper shoots him like three times in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, and then cap goes tries to he gives stop him the heart the flash drive right yeah he gives him the flash drive that that happens that black widow had got yes, on the boat that has all of that information on it and he still has no idea what this is mm-hmm. and he earlier nick fury tried accessing the information and he couldn't it was blocked yeah so he's basically given to steve like figure it out mm-hmm. and um then it moves to a surgery being performed on nick fury to save his life yeah and he dies mm-hmm and then when they're there, he hides the flash drive because Nick told him not to trust anybody. But he's also suspicious of Nick. Yeah. Um, and then that's when he meets Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. And Robert Redford's putting some suspicion on like Nick. And he's kind of like, you know, he told you your apartment was bugged, but did he tell you that he was the one that bugged it? Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like, he's not the shining angel you think he is. But he's also questioning him. He's like, what was the last thing he said to you? Yeah. He just he tells them and it which is really just nothing. And it's almost as if he doesn't believe Steve. Yeah, and he can tell it's gonna be an issue, which leads to another great scene in the movie, which is the elevator scene. Oh wait, before that though, so that scene in particular, when he is talking to Robert Redford, that scene was so terribly lit. That's the scene yeah. where there was that, that giant window like a wall of a window and Robert Redford's already wearing a white shirt and it's white the whole time, this whole entire movie, it's just sunny outside. It's like barely nighttime in this movie. And there's, there's, there's visually hardly any contrast and I, it, it's an, it's kind of an ugly movie. Yeah. So then I was going to save this. Let's jump into that conversation. So this is, th- there's only one night sequence in the movie. And that's when they go to that bunker. Um, well, maybe there's some other, there, there's like one action sequence okay. and it's at night and that's the, the boat, boat at the beginning of the right. movie. So there's this issue that will kind of arise in more of the movies that I actually didn't notice till I watched, um, this video by this YouTuber named Patrick Willems. And he talked about, uh, it's called the limitations of the Marvel cinematic universe. If you're interested listener. But one of the things he talked about is the lighting. And how, especially from, like, phase two on, a lot of the movies, like, all of the battles just take place in the middle of the day. Yeah. And so there's not much... Why do they do that? It, it's... There's not, like, shadows, and and I'm sure... There's no depth? Yeah, there's no depth. I'm sure... I could guess that probably a lot of it comes from, like, it's probably easier to do CGI. Um, okay. Because you don't have to worry about as many shadows yeah. in situations. It's probably so it's cutting corners. Just easier to light and stuff. And but it's also maybe possible that no one's really thinking about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's but probably it's not. just crazy to me. Like they're gonna do the the watchbacks at the end of the day. They're gonna watch what they did. Yeah. And they the dailies e- as even it were. yeah and even before the, anything's been color corrected, shouldn't you see that Robert Redford is like disappearing in the sunlight in that scene yeah even before color correction and it's it's odd to me it, it is very odd because it, it does 
provide like kind of a lack of depth. I remember at the at the end of the movie when the last sequence was happening, I was like, "This one's in daylight too." Yeah, and that I remember in that video that that guy did a big thing that he talked about was especially during this phase, nothing is truly black, no color is yeah. truly black, and you need to have like the color black pretty much everywhere. So you because can have it provides a hard depth. contrast. Yeah. And so there is no contrast. Yeah, and and um and you don't you don't have to do that with every movie. Like I know I don't know if it was that video or another one where someone pointed out that like in Spotlight there there's a lot of like muted colors, yeah. but it really adds to the somber nature yes. of the storytelling. Yes. But in this it's like we're talking about superheroes. These are colorful things. The that movies be should dramatic. be colorful. Yeah. Um and I think to my eye, which is not super trained in noticing lighting, I'm like just now getting into that after watching those videos. I think that Endgame did a good job with lighting. Mm-hmm. And especially I was really excited when the final battle happens in like this weird dark twilighty yeah yeah and that looked way better than say the battle of wakanda in infinity war which is just so bright in the daylight yeah um so also in oh you said infinity war yeah also black panther yeah black panther yeah but then you look at like but then when you look at like guardians of the galaxy 2 that's that movie just looks it's so vibrant yeah it's just like this beautiful looking movie and even though some of the effects look a little weird or whatever i would i would take that every day it's like colorful and the sets are pretty cool because it's a creative choice yeah to me that's that's why it's more interesting one and another thing we'll get into on civil war which is uh the next russo brothers movie is it's like there's a climax at an airport and the whole sequence just kind of looks like washed out concrete Okay. And I've seen stuff from it since someone pointed that out and it's like, "Oh yeah, this this should be like explosive in colors. You're seeing these clash of Yeah. heroes. Um but we're not talking about that I, one yet. Oh, that scene. Sorry. Yeah. When I went we watched Civil War together and I can't I don't know if I've rarely been more bored in a movie than that yeah. one. So yeah. I forgot so much of it. But having said all that, I mean, I we're just talking about the pros and the cons. I mean, I think I still, I think like the Nick Fury sequence and the sequence on the overpass, I think it's cool that they're in broad daylight because it adds the tension of normal day traffic. Well, yeah, you have that. But, but you could also do that the at other, dusk the at other rush movies hour. could, or I think if they did like those two in broad daylight and the rest of the sequences at different times of day, the yeah. movie would be like 5% better. Yeah. I, and it would, yeah. it would add a thrill just to Just because it. it's different. And it, yeah, it would just look... Just better. because you're changing a location doesn't mean it's the, as refreshing as you might think it is. Mm-hmm. You got it's more than just a location change that you need to be thinking of. You need to be thinking of time of day uh-huh. because of the colors. Totally, Rousseau brothers. Well, I mean, they did a great job on Endgame, and I think yeah, the ma- a majority of Infinity War looks great. Yeah, it does. It's kind of just the Wakanda scene doesn't look awesome, and that yeah. doesn't really bother me. Yeah, you're right. Um, anyway, to jump back into the story. Well, are we going to just turn this episode into the last two Avenger movies? It sounds like it. <laughs> so <laughs> now we're at the elevator scene. Um, takes place in daylight. Takes place in Very daylight. Very washed out. Very washed out. But um, Cool action sequence. I, I know you could almost fix that by just making it a closed in elevator. Yep. And like metal and like a yep. wood and maybe maybe even like, oh, oh my gosh, here's the fix on that. If you want to make that sequence look better, he walks in 
and it's um it's a closed one but it, it's like neon colors because it's an elevator it's just like different colors and it's neon so you want some john wick action up in there yeah or this might even help too like there's a light up above and they kick it out during the fight and it flickers during the fight so it just provides some like extra pizzazz yeah i'm just but thinking about it having said that i love the elevator sequence and they they put cap uh in those handcuffs that are magnetic mm-hmm. which is very cool mm-hmm. and it's all just this hand-to-hand stuff which and the, is the just handcuffs came from a briefcase handle very cool yeah it's just like this stuff has kind of been lacking in the previous movies not that it was necessarily like you had to have hand-to-hand combat yeah. but we yeah. haven't had like this style so it looks really refreshing as a yeah. viewer um so that sequence is cool um then he goes to the vending machine well, why is he suspicious of them as why is he fighting them well because uh does he know why i mean i think well uh, what are you trying to get me to answer or do well you it's know? just like so that's before he knows about hydra right mm-hmm. so he's i think nick maybe tells him like don't trust anybody yeah so yeah. he's in that elevator and i mean i can't remember well his why. conversation with robert redford didn't go well and then robert yeah. redford's like you should attack cap oh okay i guess he probably would just infer that that makes sense yeah and, okay. and when he's in the elevator he's just seeing that as he's going down more and more like big guys are getting in yeah right. and it's like pretty obvious they're gonna attack him and then what does he say he says like does anyone want to get off this elevator before yes. before it goes down or something yes. like that cool um so then after that is what then he goes back to the hospital and um he had put the flash drive in a vending machine and then he goes to get it, and it was in a gum, and then someone blows a bubble in his face, and it's Black Widow, and she yep. had got it. So they confront each other, basically saying, who are you working for? What's going on? How can mm-hmm. I trust you? And then it ends with, okay, we know that we can trust each other. But they're still a pinch suspicious, but they don't really go much further than that. No. So they decide to, sorry, to work together to figure out how to open the flash drive, mm-hmm. and to, to figure out how to do it, they go to an Apple store, mm-hmm. and... um. They they pinpoint where the flash drive was created or where the information was first created or something. Yeah. And let's get into something really quick that we haven't yet. Okay. The baseball cap. <laughs> okay. This is this is such a thing with Jordan. So so you can have the floor. Disclaimer: I know that there are baseball caps that are blank. I know I know people wear them. I get it. I get it. For movies, it is so distracting to me when someone's wearing especially i guess sometimes in marvel i don't know it's like he's wearing a baseball cap that it looks like he bought two seconds before he put it on his head and it was just i just want a black one it's gotta be black and it's gotta be nothing i think that it is such a missed opportunity to show like is he what what baseball team does he like put a logo on there like yeah like it's make just a weird because you don't you can't buy blank hats hardly and i think that it makes him more conspicuous than inconspicuous that's what bothers me yeah because he wears them to hide himself and to me it's like he's walking in a crowd of people and i'm like oh because his baseball cap is blank who is that i know that's chris evan i know that that's (laughs) captain america and it bugs me so much and it's also like like i said why don't you just have some fun with it and put a logo on there well and it would have been cool because at the end of first avenger or captain america the first avenger he is listening to a baseball game thought, yeah. and he loves i don't remember what teams are playing but he's kind of like oh it's gotta he's gotta be a yankees guy That's right because he's from the bronx Yankees. 
And he's like, he says to her that he's already heard that game. So he pays attention to baseball. Mm -hmm. So throw a Yankees hat on him. Yeah. And scene. And then you you also have like a little bit of a character thing as well. Yeah, just a tiny bit character development. Mm -hmm. Please, please. Okay, we're done with that. Blank hats Jordan hates. We're done with that. So move on to, they they find the location of where this information was first Uh received, I guess. And before that, we we find out which... You know, there's rumors that there's going to be a Black Widow movie, and it would be cool, I think, if they flesh this out. Black Widow has come, has encountered the Winter Soldier, um, and she tells that to Captain America. Oh, that's right, that's right. So, I and just as a side note, it would be cool if they were integrated in that same movie. Yes, and another little side note: something that I find interesting is um, Scarlett Johansson's look changes pretty dra- dramatically from movie to movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie, it's it's very different. And right off the bat, Micah said that she looks not great in this movie. And I was thinking about it, and she just doesn't look like she Don't wears. Throw me under the bus. I'm like just. That. I, we had a conversation <laughs> while we were watching the movie, and she's like wearing probably the least amount of makeup than she does in all of the other movies mm-hmm. and it's just a very dramatic change and it makes her look a little bit more tired and also her hair was super curly in the last movie now it's just straight yeah and it, it's i i want someone to write an article about or write an essay about her look and what who like whoever was in charge of her look what they were going for with from movie to movie because they had to have known the goal you know from yeah because to, to me it's it's like it, it's just it's actually a little bit confusing how yeah. different she looks in every movie i it's a little bit like huh yeah like, i don't know what they're going for in this movie i don't know what they were going for in the previous that's why two. i want to know that's why i'm I, curious you know and even like like another another Endgame reference, but like in Endgame, uh, Captain Marvel cuts her hair, and it doesn't look great. But you're like, you're like, I okay, I get it. She cut her hair, and they even like mention something about it. Yeah. But in this, it's like every time she's in a movie, her hair is different, and she looks a little bit different, and it's just like. I, I just don't understand what I they're mean, trying it, to do. Is it because her part of her character is is trying? You know, she did the bad things for so many years of her I life. I guess she, she is a for spy, the bad guys. So. Well, I don't think it's. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. But like, she's worked for the bad guys for most of her career, and now she's working for the good guys. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's just trying to find herself. Okay. Throughout it, I'll I, take I, that. I wonder if that's like part of it. Um, now that we're on the subject of her, though, she, she didn't bug me as much as she originally has always bugged me in this movie. So, here's what I want to say about the this movie. I think that her character her character's arc is pretty well written. Yes. Her dialogue's okay. Yeah. It's not great, but I'm, you know, it's kind of whatever. It's a little bit too quippy. Yeah. But I think and I don't know if this is direction or her choice. I just cuz in the previous two movies I didn't really like her character. Mm. Um or previous two appearances. This one, it's like, I don't like what she is doing as an actress with the character. Yeah. Like, I imagine another person in that role not doing the she- thing she's doing and me not being bothered by it. Yeah. Because there's there's this there's just this weird, like, the way she's delivering her dialogue that's kind of, it's just annoying to me. And yeah. I can't put my finger on it. And, and in Endgame, she's not doing that. Or Infinity War. So I, I don't know if there's like... I just don't get it because everyone else in the series is so complete from each movie to each movie 
And I don't know why her character in particular is so different every it's like movie Scarlett she's in. Scarlett Johansson's trying to find herself from movie to movie. She's been working for the bad guys for her whole career, <laughs> and now she's finally working for the good guys. I don't know. I don't mean to bash her. I, I and and she's done great work. And I, I, we just we just have been really from the beginning that we have seen her. The first time we had watched Iron Man, mm-hmm. have just been trying to figure out. Scarlett Johansson as an actress as well as Black Widow. Yeah. And and I think that I'm like coming around on her. I think I am too. But I'm still like you like you're saying I'm still a little confused by some choices. Yeah, and and you know, I don't know who's making these decisions that aren't making sense to me. Yeah. Cuz there's so much that goes into a movie um so it might be her, it might be the directors, it might be the writer. Who knows? Yeah could be your hair designer i don't know yeah. it's just it's just odd yeah it's interesting uh but her and cap they get to um the old barracks where captain america was made yes and they go downstairs into this barrack and they find a computer system and there is a person that lives inside the computer named zola 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 oh i thought it was zola no i think that might be a real person uh, and he is a Swiss guy, Never mind. and he's in the first um, Captain America movie, and he is—he's the scientist that works with Red Skull. Mm-hmm. What do you? What do you? Th- we didn't talk about this. What do you think of a man living inside I think a computer? It's cool. Okay, because I it. think it's super cool, and I like how the computers are old. Yeah, I, and I he's like it. Retro looking. I liked how that sheen. That sheen. I like how that scene was shot. Yeah. A very cool scene. And it was a smart way to dump all the exposition that they oh, needed yeah. to dump. Yeah. Because you're finding out that Hydra's been behind like the world's just like the world economy and all these other things and H- events that take place. Yeah, and then you find out that Winter Soldier is also the like their main weapon that yeah. they've been using to do all of this stuff. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then uh it's uh, he's self destruct no no no. Um, it shoots a missile. Hydra is coming yeah. to kill them. And they make it out. Yeah. Yeah, they jump after down they, a thing. After they learn everything. So it's basically like Hydra's been behind the thing the whole time. And it's like, oh, conspiracy unraveled. And that before they even have time to like really think about it, they're attacked. Yeah. And uh, once again, that's that's cool conspiracy fun stuff. I, yeah, I like it. So I, I like all of that that weird shield and Hydra and Hydra using shield to because basically they want to have a weapon where if there's ever an issue with any person they can kill him in an instant yeah um and and then they would get rid of all the threats in humanity which yeah. was something like 20 million people i think i was because, it like no, 200 million no because I, I think robert redford said to to save the 8 million people on this planet we need to sacrifice 20 million people i well, think it was 20 million. Eight billion yeah oh did i say million yeah a billion yeah which yeah. is, I just, like, things like, so motives like that, it's really similar to Thanos, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Because his his is overpopulation and is, is what's killing just the universe. And Ugh. his solution is to get rid of half of it. So he, to him, it's sacrificing the population to save the population. Mm-hmm. Great. So yeah, and and... Because this movie is a parallel to how our nation currently is, which I think adds a cool element to the movie, is it, it, you know, we do live in times where it's like, 
oh, we we drone striked this area, but because we did that, we hopefully prevented the loss of this many people. Yeah. And it's the movie actually is not necessarily condemning that idea. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's saying you need to be careful with that idea. With that power. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's condemning this version of that idea. But So what? where do they go after that? Uh, th- then um, they're believed to be dead along with Nick Fury and them, and they go to Sam Wilson's house because it's the only person yes. that he can trust. And um, th- this is a great scene for Black Widow because she says, I used to work for the KGB, now I work for Hydra. Yeah. And she's like, I traded, one- I thought that I had like righted my wrongs, but I was working for the wrong again. Yeah. And so you're seeing her inner torment. Yeah, I like that. Um. And then we find out who Falcon is and what he does. And then he puts on those crazy goggles that look very bad. Mm-hmm. Puts on his suit. And then they, what do they do? They they stop a shield guy and they find out information and throw him off a building. Yes, and then yes. Falcon catches him. Oh, before that though, they we are uh, gloriously reintroduced to that politician from Iron Man 2. Yeah, who says F you, who Tony is, Stark. And, and like, I think I said, I was like, it's like this guy is a retired politician who is <laughs> yeah. just like an amateur actor, and he he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He's in the movie maybe for one minute. Yeah. Like, all together. And I'm just like, you, you, it's like, sir, you don't know how much you've done for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, sir, it's like, sir, you don't know how much you've done for this country. <laughs> it's so He really good. does elevate the movie. Yeah, he's, he's great. So yeah, with that being said, they, they get the other, the Hydra guy and, uh, and, and, and then that's when they find, that that's when they do the freeway scene. Yes. And, um, I mean, again, kind of like all of our Mad Max stuff. It's like, what are we going to do? Explain the action that yeah. happens in this movie. I mean, at this scene. But but Bucky attacks. Or, I mean, Winter Soldier attacks. <gasps> <laughs> Winter Soldier attacks. And um, this is like the highlight of the movie to me. I loved this scene. It's in broad daylight. Again. But it's a, I think it's a really cool scene. It shows how invincible uh, um, Winter Soldier is. Yeah, and then you find out that it's Bucky, um, and Black Widow does that fun thing where she puts a a phone that is like saying all this stuff, and he blows up this car, and then she was never in that area. Mm-hmm. It was just like projecting the sound. The the interesting part is when, th- like, uh, Captain America realizes it's Bucky. He says Bucky, and Bucky says. Who's Bucky? Yeah, but so, he's also like it's almost like he just took a punch. Yeah, because like, he's like dazed it, it, for a it second. It did reach the very like depths of of who he is, mm-hmm. but the brainwashed version of him reje- is just like what? So you discover this isn't truly Bucky mm-hmm. who's fighting him. Plus, yeah. it's just a shock because the last time we saw Bucky, he fell off of a cliff. Yeah, so he thought he was dead. And I I remember thinking to myself or that that. I wish I w- could have read the comics when they made up the Winter Soldier character because I'm yeah. sure that that run was probably for a while and people were like, who is this guy? And then it's revealed to be Bucky and everyone was probably like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, And then Colby Smolders comes out and... Uh, saves them. She saves them and then... Takes them to Nick who, was, who did not die. Mm-hmm. And he faked his death so that they could figure out what was going on. Yes. And then uh, 
the, the, I like the the argument he has between Captain America, like Nick and Captain America have, because Nick's trying to like st- explain everything and what needs to be done, and Captain America's like, he's like, how do we like? He's basically convicting Nick for like, how come you never did anything to stop it? Yeah, and then and then Nick's like, I have been, you know, it's like I, I'm here right now, aren't I? Like I yeah. I made sure I didn't die so that I content continue to help so like in a way he's like i have had to create my own conspiracy to to like by the end of it stop the conspiracy yeah which is is really interesting but it does get to a like the convert the argument get comes to a head when captain america is like okay no this is what we're doing and he mm-hmm. makes the plan yeah which is like cool he's taking control now mm-hmm. and that's when they decide to break into shield Yes, and so they need to put like three chips and all three planes. Yeah, to, some to, like, arbitrary thing. Them. Yeah, it's like okay, so we have the numbers three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and this is cool because he breaks into the place with the announcement. Yeah, like like with the loudspeaker, and you see Abed from Community, which mm-hmm. is something that all the all the um, Marvel movies have had either a reference to Arrested Development or Community. Mm-hmm. Which we'll we'll try and cover all of them if we can. Mm-hmm. So this one's got an actor from a community, and um, probably the best one because he's the movie nerd. Yeah, of the, yeah, the show, and he does kind of play a, a pinch like maybe it's his character who yeah. got cast in the movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Captain America makes this thing where he he makes this announcement in Shield where he goes, "If you are." Like, like he goes there, Hydra has infiltrated this place. We can't let these helicarriers come out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, stand up for your country. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, she's going to sneeze. She's going to sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. Um, and then that goes into this cool scene where this guy comes in. And he's like, okay, launch the helicarriers into this room, he's telling him. And this one guy's like, I won't do it. And he's just a normal guy. Great, great acting. Yeah, he does. He does great because he's so scared. But he's like, "No, I can't do it." Yeah, like Captain America just the told song, me not to do it. The song "I'm Proud to Be an American" starts playing. Yeah, and it's not in the back. It's not like the soundtrack. It's like someone on his computer starts playing. Up. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so stupid. Um, but actually, really great joke. Best joke of the whole series of our podcast. Thanks. Um, but but. So that shows that tension, and then the room turns into a big standoff yep. with Hydra, and then all these other people. Um, we did neglect to mention that Stanley makes a cameo in this movie. Not until the end. No, oh, he's already no, made the, it. Not until now. Yeah. Yeah. So unlike all the other movies, Stan Lee's in this one. Um, unlike all, as the a, other it was ones? a joke because he's oh, in all the movies. Okay. Um, but he. He's in a museum because there's a Captain America museum and Cap had to break into it at the Smithsonian and steal his old costume because his other one was ruined or blew up or something. I don't think he had access to it. Okay. Because it's at S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. I assume that's what it was. But he gets it and then Stanley looks and sees a mannequin that doesn't have a costume on it anymore and he goes, I am so fired. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because now you see him in his old costume again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Yeah, the uh, standoff. So, so here we go. Here we go with this. Oh. So they have to do three things. So Falcon starts flying around in the air. Uh, I mean, we can probably just skip the sequence. Well, I'm just, just like, okay, yeah. Okay. So then you have Black Widow 
doing something else and then you have steve rogers trying to put the chips in each one and you're like this is exciting for about two minutes and then it's just like oh my gosh this is going on forever and it got to a point where micah couldn't even remember if chris evans had put the (laughs) chips in there like it had been going on for that long well i I said is is this just one is this the first one yeah (laughs) you're like no he did it in two others and i was like oh crap i i think um yeah, this last sequence, I think along with all of the other movies in for, like all the movies so far, I think if you shave off 10 minutes from the final battle, like 5 to 10 minutes, the movie is better. Yeah. And yeah, and it's like we've seen such cool action in this movie, so then when they go to like top it, it's it's a lot of explosions and a lot of fake stuff. Yeah. And it's just not as cool as the rest of the action sequences in the movie. Yeah, so you're just kind of like, okay, we know he's going to get it, so like, let's yeah. just like. Yeah, I mean, the more the more exciting scene in that is when is when um, Black Widow breaks into the chairman meeting. And oh, that's true. Robert Redford like kills all the people and with then, these chips, but like before, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but the, she at whatever gets to a point where Robert Redford is the one who is like has a gun against him mm-hmm. and she is putting all of the conspiracy information onto the internet so yeah. that everyone knows the truth. And Nick Fury has to open something with his eye that's scratched out by the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I, those are like very specific details. Anyway, like that's more exciting than the actual fight. Yes. Um, I agree. And then cap and Bucky fight. And then, uh, you know, they, they save the day, but then, Bucky's still fighting Cap, and Cap's like, I'm not going to fight back. I'm not going to fight back. And then... And then Bucky keeps punching him. Bucky stops. The thing crashes in the water, and Captain America goes into the water. And then by the end, you see Bucky has dragged Captain onto shore and then walks away. Yeah. Oh, but before that, we didn't talk about was when... So after the first time you realize it was Bucky at that fight scene, it then shows Bucky in that room... Mm-hmm. sitting on that chair and uh, Robert Redford's like asking him questions and the, and Bucky's saying like like he's Bucky's essentially like questioning everything that's going on with his life ever since he probably woke up from yeah. being frozen and it ends with Robert Redford saying brainwash him again like start yeah, over yeah yeah so so when he sees Bucky again in this final fight scene it's it's like it's he's even it's stronger new, brainwash yeah. it's even more like he can't talk to him mm-hmm. um but then with it ending with bucky saving him you know that he's still not far, like completely gone yeah um and then he leaves the screen to have more character development off screen again mm-hmm. bucky's one of my biggest problems with the mcu people mm-hmm. and it's not because of these first two movies because they do an okay job. It's what they do with Civil War. Because like all of his development is off screen, mm-hmm. and and when you are not watching the movies back to back to back, you, you, it's like, wait, who is he again? Like, why is he doing this? He's What's Steve Rogers' on? best friend, right? Like, it's, yeah. It's so just that. and I think in Civil War it kind of falls apart. I mean, I'm I'll be happy to admit I'm wrong when if if I'm wrong. But yeah. I I just remember when we watched it and I hadn't seen Winter Soldier for a while and I was kind of like. I don't know. I don't understand what he's doing. I thought he was fine. Yeah. So have all that. Um, uh, I mean, that's the movie. Yeah. The the other. So a couple of things I wanted to talk about about the movie as a whole. 
um, I, there's this kind of idea I've been throwing around in my head since we watched it that all of the movies we have watched, without exception, for the MCU, in my head, no matter how good they are, I'm just like, oh, but I can't wait until we get to Phase 3. We're, we're in uh, the event, the new Avengers movies and like Black Panther and stuff like that. And I, I'm wondering... If once they make a phase four, if when we're watching phase three movies, if I'm going to be like, ah, I wish I was watching phase four. Because as opposed to a series like, um, I'm trying to think of a good one. I mean, Star Wars is the one that comes to mind where it's like, I can watch the old movies and be just as happy as watching the new ones that I also really like. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the prequels. prequels? We're going to throw those to the side for for the sake of this. And I'm just wondering how if these movies are even possible for them to have like a timeless effect. And I'm not saying that they're not, and I'm not saying I'm not enjoying them. I'm even enjoying the rewatches. I'm just saying, and and it's not bad to make a movie that's not timeless, but I'm just throwing it out there. Like, are these the kind of movies that in 20 years, people like us are going to be like, okay, Iron Man 1, let's start it and let's watch all 58 Marvel movies. Or think, are they just going to be like, let me just Google the ones that we have to watch to well, get the storyline. I think line. that so far, with the exception of some just genuinely bad ones, like most of them are good. A few of them are great. Yeah. And I think that's why you feel that way. And, but in my head, it's like there's a much more greats in, in Phase 3. But I wonder if, we, again, once we get to Phase 4, if I'm going to... Because, like, Avengers 1, I remember liking a lot. And I thought when we rewatched it, I would just love it. And it was a little bit boring to me. And we're going to watch Avengers 2 soon. And I wonder if it'll be a little bit boring. Because I'll just be like, yeah, but I want Endgame. And I want Infinity War. But once they make another Avengers, is is that, am I going to feel the same way about those Avenger movies? So what's been interesting for me so far is the ones so that we've rewatched. For the most part, my expectations have been very low in all of these rewatches. Mm-hmm. And I've been... Uh, very surprised in a good way that i've liked a lot like most of them yeah this one first time i saw i liked it upon this rewatch i found it to be pretty boring yeah see i like this movie and i'm not exactly sure why i think a lot of it is just visually it wasn't stimulating yeah so i'm like part of me is kind of turned off without even knowing it and then the story i think is interesting i think but it is also just a little boring yeah, see, I don't agree with you on that. We're going to have to disagree on this one. No, whatever. But uh, but I, I think you bring a valuable part to the conversation. Doesn't sound like it. Well, anyway, that's all I got to say. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to say because I thought, yeah, I don't know. I think it's still a s- solid seven to me. Okay, I don't. But What do you think? I don't think so. What do you think, though? Like maybe a five. Whoa. Yeah, I, I was just I was just pretty bored. Okay. And I, th- I think it was a lot of it was just bogged down in questions that I... It was like there were a lot of questions because it's a conspiracy story, but I didn't really know what questions I was supposed to be asking. Because mm, okay. there were a lot of all right. players involved and all that. So Oh, I should say, kind of for funsies, if, if you are listening to this podcast, it's very possible that you are obsessed about things as well and have an obsessive nature. Uh, there's a letterboxed account. Uh, so if you like the app Letterboxd, which is a cool account, 
uh, I set up a list called the MPU, the Macomb Podcast Universe, and you can follow along and see what I rate the movies and stuff. And it has the list of the movies so you can watch as we go along. It's kind of cool. It's uh, it's a list by Mel Tarman, M-E-L-T-A-R-M-A-N. I might mention it again later, but not right now. What were you going to say about the post credit scene? Oh, yeah. The post credit scene, it like sets up some characters we'll meet in... Ultron. Ultron. And, and it also... So after all of that, like Hydra's gone, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gone, and then the post credit scene... It's a guy from Hydra, and he's like, well, Hydra is not gone yet. We still have things to do as Hydra. And I'm like, but the whole point of this movie was getting rid of Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you can't undo that. That's stupid. But they did. And they did it literally two minutes after the movie ended. And I, I'm like, no, Hydra should be done. Yeah. That should be the end of Hydra. Yeah. Because I know in comic books they go back on a lot of stuff, but these are movies yeah take that take that creative leap yeah. make another weird organization i don't know i just i'm like right after the, the credits, chapter ended and i know that shield is over but i'm pretty sure either shield comes back or it's just kind of shield there still which also like undoes this movie so there's like not a lot of consequences to them destroying shield and hydra which is a bummer to me because it weakens the impact of the movie yeah, I'm just thinking about it now. Yeah. It's interesting. Anyway, um, but I did like, I do like the movie. Um, next week we're doing The Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But let me just tell you right now, I like that movie. All right, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Rate and subscribe and share, show. Review show, it too. Show one of your friends. Let us know what you think. Yeah. On we, iTunes. We have a few reviews. We want more though. Yeah. But, but, you know, show it to one of your friends, okay? Yeah. Thanks, guys. 